Right. <laughs> should we do another section of this podcast? I think we should, yeah. I'll let you take the wheel on this one because it was your idea. So, I'm dreadful for giving loads and loads of unnecessary context, but that's fine. I'm going to give loads and loads of unnecessary context. In Oxford, which is where Matt and I live, uh, there is an independent cinema called the Ultimate Picture Palace. And they, as with a lot of independent businesses, have uh, been having to like really focus on their sort of social media for you know generating interest and trying to get people uh, doing bits and pieces they put an instagram post up i don't know like three weeks ago they asked their followers to send them send in like something new something old something foreign and something i can't remember what the last personal one, to you be. i think it might have been but i can't i can't remember if it actually was um, I've sort of adapted it. But anyway, but the, the caveat was like, you have to physically own the DVD. So they were like, you can't just choose four films that you really love. You have to have bought the film. So that obviously narrows people's options down. Some, something new is something in the last five years. Something old is something before you were born. The foreign is obviously not where you were born. And they're the, something to do with you personally. So, and I just thought it was a really good idea. So for this uh, little section... We're going to do very, very similar. We're going to do something new, something old, something foreign and something personal. But uh, we're going to do it from our uh, Matt and I's actual record collections. So, yeah, that gives it a bit of scope. And I've also we've also caveated with we're going to not have mentioned it on the podcast before. I forgot about that part, but I got away with it. <laughs> I just had to. <laughs> that, little, that little pause, you have to leave that in. Because that was so bad. I... <laughs> Again, for our audio listeners, I quickly glanced at Matt's screen and then Matt was just like frantically reading his notes with sort of a <laughs> wide-eyed stare you'd commonly see in a rabbit as it was just about to be run over. <laughs> I genuinely felt like that. I was like, oh, fuck, because I, I did it. <laughs> oh, man. We got away with it. We did. Wonderful. So there you go. Uh, yes, yeah, so something new. Matt, what is your something new? My something new is so so bloody new in terms of when i got it in my record collection yeah i've had it for like two days um (laughs) and it is an ep from a lady a lovely lady probably called stella donnelly it's called thrush metal um yeah it's pretty fucking intense that's a great name it is i loved it and i I think it sort of suits it suits the uh the content in terms of it gives you a bit of a taste of what she's about Uh, i like the cover Oh, I'm just looking at it. Now. Yeah, it's, it's like her as a kid, isn't it? Um, it looks like an adult who just happens to look a bit childish, but oh, okay. is that is that is her as a child? Oh, I don't know. It could be an adult. I oh no, know. looking at her, that is her. She just does look like a child. Oh really? Oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it was her first solo venture that she recorded. She was in a couple of bands before. She is Welsh and Australian. Uh, nice. I don't know where she lives now. But you sort of you get, you pick up a bit of Aussie in her, in her vocals, but it's very intimate, personal. It's her and essentially her guitar. There's not much else going on. But yeah, it's, it's a real beauty. Um, the reason why I bought it was because when I went to Green Man last summer, she was performing and Zoe and oh. I really wanted to go and see her, but it clashed with someone else. Who did uh, it clash with that interest? It was one of the biggies. It might have been Krangbin. Okay, that's fair. I think. That's big, big top fair as well. Uh, yeah, that was the one actually we were disappointed not to see. So I thought, I'll buy it, I'll give her a go. And yeah, it's it's superb. Uh, it's very, yeah, it's intimate. Her her vocals are amazing. She's a fantastic singer. Uh, her guitar goes very well with it. I'd say I'd compare her to Daughter. Have you heard any Daughter stuff? I have and I haven't. As in, I have heard of Daughter. I wouldn't necessarily say. 
Okay. I have listened to loads of it. Um, yeah, so anyone who has heard of Daughter, it's it's pretty much along the same tune to that. But I think her, her vocals are a bit more direct and not, not quite as soft. But that really works okay. with her music. There's a lot of very sort of important stuff she's talking about as well. I think a song on it called Boys Will Be Boys, uh, which is about the sexual assault of one of her close friends. And wow. it sort of inadvertently became the anthem to the Me Too movement when that became sort of prevalent. Oh, wow. And it is like when you know that context and you hear it, it's a, it's a really hard hitting song and it is it's amazing. And so, um, yeah, so emotive and just wonderful. A real cracker. I'm really happy I bought it. Oh, nice. That's, that's a really nice album to have been able to talk about. Yeah. On to you, sir. My something new is Floating Points uh, and Crush which is an album that he brought out uh, last year and actually definitely should have appeared in my uh, album of the years. A few of his songs have appeared on Six Music and every time he, he appears, I always I always seem to look up who's playing it on Six Music and oh, it, yeah. it's, it's always floating points whenever I, I seem to have liked this sort of music. Oh, nice. um, so he's, he's an electronic artist, but he's very much of the vein of a- Aphex Twin and John Hopkins, like it's quite intense electronic music rather than like bonobo and like george Fitzgerald, that sort of style yeah um so it's so it is just like instrumental rather than introducing voices but the depth and the quality of production and like this this is such an immense album and like listening to it especially on on vinyl as well like there is there's so much going on and it's such a pleasing record to think about I, th- I, I think you probably would have heard of quite a few, maybe a few tunes from, from this album. Possibly. Um, Bias, Last Bloom, and then I can't pronounce one of them. It's like Ansica Modular or something. But it's it's a very, very intense album. It's got a lot of, it's, it's got a lot, of, a lot of strings to its bow, which is a massive cliche. But it's, again, it's sort of going, like the way Bonobo produces his music is he loses a lot of like live instruments. So like sing Bonobo live, which we did at, uh, you were there. Oh, uh, the one in London. Citadel. Citadel. Like on stage, he's got like a full orchestra that produces this sound that you would assume is completely electronically produced. Yeah. And it's the same with Floating Points. Like looking at, um, he's written, there's like sheet music for some of the songs, which is really nice. But he's actually written uh, each electronic instrument that he's used. So, oh, um, nice. What, what's, what's, your, what's your thing that you've bought recently? The thing oh, that the, can... the, well, it's, a, it's like a digital synthesizer, but I think it's called a MIDI yeah, so he so he's so he's like listed every type of synthesizer or whatever he's he's used on each track, oh, and then wicked. on some on on a lot of tracks are like actual groups of instruments. So like there's French horns on the first couple of tracks, and there's a couple of flutes in there. It's got a lot of depth to the whole record. So this this is an album that I've I've really enjoyed like exploring. It's not like an easy listen in terms of just putting it on. Like it is, it's like intense electronic music. Yeah, I think I think with electronic music, uh, if it is intense, it's um, it's a lot easier to get into and sort of re- like lose yourself in a little bit. Yes, which I absolutely love in electronic music. So it sounds like yeah. it sounds like a winner. With with headphones, this is just an incredible album. I'd, I'd massively recommend people go and listen to this album. Record mend me recommend me I'm, I'm so i'm really torn with my recommends this oh, week. okay that's good that's good anything else you'd like Some, to add no i just just go and listen to it um it's, it. it's wonderful and yeah it should have appeared in my uh albums of the year last year so it's the kind of artist where because i'm sure i've heard i've obviously heard of the name but you've heard he's, a lot he, of songs when you listen to it again and you're like oh that's him 
Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he's on he's on Ninja Tune, uh, and Ninja Tune is the same record label that does Bonobo, uh, Maribu State, Bicep, yeah. all of the big sort of um, electronic artists you'd say who are dominating this scene at the moment. Yeah, and again, this is sort of quite a personal thing, but I find with electronic artists, I really like having the twelve-inch singles for good songs. Yeah, and uh, Ninja Tune allows you to buy twelve-inch singles for a lot of their artists. So, oh, that's cool. Um, so yeah, so I, I recently bought the Bonobo Linked, which was my song of the year for last year. So I bought that as a as a twelve-inch. Like, you just get a lot more like bass with with a with a single uh, twelve-inch. There's bigger gaps between the grooves, which is quite boring. But yeah, I never knew that, but. I love it. I actually, I forgot to mention it. It's funny that you talked about like the intricacies of vinyl because mm. I had a really fucking funny moment the other day with the Stella Donnelly LP because it's a 12 inch, but it's only six tracks. So is it three and three or is it? It's three six. and three. So yeah, so she would have been able to place the grooves slightly further apart from one another. Oh, okay. So there will be, there will be more depth in the bass because I th- again this is quite boring but like the way the vinyl is obviously like a physical medium yeah like i think the loudness is done this might be the opposite way around but the loudness is done like depth wise yeah so we're like in the groove and then the bass is done like width, width wise. Oh, okay yeah so that's why a lot of singles for like djing in clubs that's why a lot of singles are produced on 12 inch vinyls because yeah you can increase the bass for emphasis that's a good idea yeah that makes yeah makes loads of sense the, the trouble was i'd never ever played a three track 12 inch each side on my record player so yeah, yeah. i started playing it after playing another 12 inch album and i forgot to change the speed because i didn't know that you had to so i just assumed that stella donnelly this whole time had an incredibly deep voice like i, I said to zoe that i bought it for her and i was really excited for her to hear it and then i started playing it and we both looked at each other as her voice came in, we're like, what the fuck? Okay, like maybe she she just likes to sing in quite like a low tone. <laughs> and we listened to the first side, by which time I was like, what what is actually happening? So we tried it again the next day. And I realised, I was like, oh, there's only three tracks on it. Normally it's like five or six. So I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to play the speed up. Put it up to the, the highest speed. And yes, it sounded like a real normal song and it was fantastic. But in my mind, we were both looking at each other thinking, because we haven't had to change it in so ages. You listen, so you listen to the whole album, like really slow down. Yeah, like, well, the first side anyway. And, and we were both <laughs> so confused because you see you see the picture of her on the front and then there's this like... Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you sat through that long. I felt like such a fucking tool. So a lot of... Um, so Kid A, Hell to the Thief... Yeah, just those two. Radiohead has split them into double albums on two actual physical vinyl, and both of those are played at 45. Okay. And because Radiohead are Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they don't tell you, as in normally, it just says, like, what speed it should be played for on the actual label. Yeah. But they don't tell you. So, like, the first time I was listening to it, and um, obviously, is it 2 plus 2 equals 5 is the first? No, uh, Stand Up, Sit Down. Oh, yeah. On, on, on Hell to the Thief. And it was just, like, obviously has, like, the guitar like electronic guitar sort of being like plugged in or something. Yeah. It's like the first sound you hear. So it doesn't sound too wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you speed it up, you're like, oh, obviously it should sound like that. But yeah, you don't really notice until it's too late, as it were. That's amazing you listen to three actual songs. I think I was trying to not be like sexist and dismiss the fact that her voice could just be that deep. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It was a bit weird. But anywho... It was fine. Hey, it was funny. You were, just being, you were being a good person. But I, I hope ironically. so. We had a good laugh at it anyway. And it's a great album when you play it at the right speed. And it sounds quite cool, actually, if you play it a bit slower anyway. So 
Right. What are we on to now? Something old. Something old. Am I going? Yeah. I'm going, aren't I? You go, yeah. Uh, this is one which I came across in uh, Rapture Records recently. That's hard to say, but I said it. And it's an album that I knew of. I knew I knew the band because my dad is a massive fan and he's been to see this outfit live so many times and he he's just a proper fanboy. Um, it's a band called Hawkwind and it's their self-titled debut, which they released in 1970. Nice, okay. I knew how good they were. I trust my dad's music judgment implicitly. And it was £8 because it's a bit scratched, this record. And it's an original. Uh, So I bought it. I listened to it. And instantly I figured out why I knew that I liked King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard so much. Ah. It was unparalleled. The makeup of the songs, the way they sort of hone in on this really specific melody and then go in and out of it. I loved it. It was like discovering uh, a completely new genre for me. It's almost like a classic vocalist of a 70s rock band mixed with progressive rock of King Gizzard. A bit of electronic stuff in there, which I think they were really forward thinking in terms of electronic additions to their music. And this was their most conventional album. And I thought, wicked, I'll buy it on a whim. Can't go wrong. And yeah, it's fantastic. It's it's quite immersive. It's um, a little bit like, you know, Murder of the Universe, where it's almost like a continuous song. Yes. Almost like that, not quite. You can separate it a little bit more, which I think makes it a bit more user-friendly. Sorry, do King Gizzard like, reference that as one of their influences? I've never looked into them enough to know, but I, I would imagine they must be fans. They're not quite as intricate as King Gizzard get. It's not quite as sort of techy, but it is, yeah, it, it fully fits that sort of mold of like innovative progressive rock kind of stuff, which, yeah, I loved it. And I've listened to it a couple of times, maybe three or four, in fact. And yeah, I, I would recommend it to anyone who wants to get into progressive rock from the 70s specifically. Nice. It's quite a good listen. Pretty rocky, pretty fast paced. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So thanks, Dad, for being a fan. That's, that's a really nice link. Funnily enough, actually, uh, there's a song by Hawkwind, which is my dad's favourite, called Master of the Universe. And King Gizzard have done an album called Murder of the Universe. Oh, they're, they're 100% must. Surely. Must surely. Mm. So yeah, listen to it if you, if you fancy it. I've only just come across it and it's, it's, uh, it's sort they're of resonated Hawk, Hawk, with me. Hawkwind. And they are on the album covers Wicked as well. It's like this freaky, like leafy crocodile with arms. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like Rick and Morty-esque. But yeah, that's my something old. I've just quickly, sorry, I've just quickly Googled it. And yeah, it's on like a Reddit page. And Hawkwind, Master of the Universe, um, has been played by King Gizzard. Um, And I think there's like videos of King Gizzard covering Hawkwind. That makes a lot of sense now. It's weird that I've worked it out just now. but Yeah, that's that's quite nice though. Yeah, it is. It's got a good ear. Makes a lot of sense. I think they've like quoted Hawkwind and stuff like so in some of their lyrics as well by the, by the look of it. There's definitely more of a rabbit hole to go down that with that if you want to do more research on the links between those two bands. But that's really interesting that, yeah, you've picked it out. And it-, it makes sense, but I think the way that I found it out was so backwards, which it makes it even better because I, I knew of King Gizzard, <laughs> I knew of Hawkwind. I listened to King Gizzard yep. first. My dad knows about Hawkwind. I've listened to them, bought their album, and it's probably their most similar to King Gizzard. Does your dad like King Gizzard? Do you know, I gave him Murder of the Universe, but I think it was too heavy. It was, it was a bit too... I should have started him off with something lighter. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to probably recommend Nonagon Infinity to him next. Good. Slip it in if you can. Like, give him it as like a Christmas CD, because then he has to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. I will, definitely. Right. Something old. I've gone for 
John Coltrane with Giant Steps. And I sort of love this album, one, obviously, because it is John Coltrane, who is a masterful uh, saxophonist, Um, but also just because of the sort of backstory behind this album and the sort of level of... Like I think, I think this album really encompasses what jazz music was all about uh, in sort of the the sixties and the fifties, um, in terms of uh, artists bringing together other uh, musicians and then writing a piece of music and then sort of like introducing them to the piece of music and saying like, right, this is what we're going to play today, and then producing some songs that were then put on an album and that was the album. Okay, yeah. And there wasn't like much editing and building sounds and layering sounds it just was like we had a studio between five and six and then whatever we produce in that time frame is what is going to go on this album giant steps is is quite a large leap away from what john codrone had done before and what a lot of other jazz artists have done before and i think for a lot of modern jazz artists giant steps is like a bit of a rite of passage in terms of the speed of his playing and it's i think quite famous that the drummer on the day of this album recording is actually not, uh, he's not very pleased with his performance in terms of he doesn't like how the drums come across okay. because he basically couldn't keep up with John Coltrane's playing. It's so quick. Yeah. So it's like, obviously I think I recommended you kind of blue, which is obviously like that very like uh, coffee table, uh, like saloon style jazz. It's yeah. very laid back. It's smooth, very chilled. Yeah, it's really, really, yeah, smooth. And I think smooth is a very good word for it. But this is like high paced, like 100 miles per hour. It's really, really quick. Yeah. And I think the story goes that John Coltrane basically organized to meet with these four musicians or three musicians that he's with on this piece um, in a coffee shop just before that they went into the studio. And he basically like said that this is what we're playing today. And they're like, fucking hell, so we've got like 20 minutes to learn, like quickly learn this. And he was like, yeah. So then they went in, produced it, and that's the album. So it's gone from like not being even an idea to eight hours later being like, yeah, that's that's now going to be around in 50, 70 years, 50, 60, 70 that's years. That's amazing. Time. I love that. So it's an album that I'd say just go and listen to in terms of like it broadens your scope of what jazz can be about. I wouldn't say it's something that you'd like put in the background whilst you're eating dinner it's like a much more like immersive listen yeah um, but i really like the sort of backstory that it has in terms of john coltrane's yeah. um sort of ambition did you know about the backstory before you bought it no so i think i sort of saw it in a truck store okay. which is a Matt and I's local record store and yeah i just because it's john coltrane obviously i've heard of john coltrane's blue train which is very similar to kind of blue by miles davis in terms of that sort of laid back smooth jazz yeah and i just saw it and i, I again did the quick um, album of the year check and it was just like came up very well um and listened to it and it's just like no jazz i'd, I'd heard before yeah. and then there is like doing a bit of research into the some of the backstory in terms of its origins is just like really nice to hear so it's it's a it's a really interesting and it's got again just a lot of depth. And I really like the idea that one of the artists on it doesn't actually like it. Yeah. I think that's quite unique in terms of yeah. Well, it's it's like a it's like a literal impression of what was going on that day. It's not like a yeah. perfected version of something that's been practicing for months. It's literally like that's what they wanted it to sound like, and that's what it now sounds like for the rest of time. There's something very like pure about it, isn't there? In in a, a music world that's becoming more and more fine tuned and and sort of. Uh, pedantic and i want it this way like you you hear about Billie eilish and producing her tracks and how fucking in depth and intense they go with that and then yeah to be able to go and just write an album of that nature and for it to be like literal genius in terms of 
for somebody to spend six months on a, you know, uh, I think it's actually to be, yeah, yeah, it's to be admired in terms of unknown mortal orchestras like known and uh, Tame Impala. Uh, Kevin Parker is obviously known yeah. for how intense they are with their producing, yeah, and how long they spend on building tracks up. But to do an album such as Giant Steps in basically one day is just like breathtaking. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a wonderful oh, nice. example of what jazz can be. I like that a lot. That's a great addition. Two very so, interesting yet very different recommendations there from something, which oh, something foreign, which is sort of a, a bit of a cheat because we're both English, so we've obviously got America to go on. So I, I went for something. It's it's a little bit different. It's a little bit sort of in tune with my previous uh, suggestion of Hawkwind. It's another sort of ailment of a prog rock band called Focus. They had a guitarist called Jan Ackerman, who's Dutch, so right. that's why it's foreign, because he's Dutch. And he was, yeah, a pretty astonishing and versatile guitar player. Uh, and he wrote an album called Tabernacle, where right. he explores uh, the lute, which is a, imagine a sort of standard classical guitar, but with an extra however many strings. It's got the, the widest neck you'll ever see. I think I know what you mean, yeah. It's very, like, medieval-sounding instrument. Yeah, yeah. A lot of classical musicians, I think, would, would love to play on there because of the pure range that you can get. It's pretty amazing. And he, he uses it primarily in a finger-picky fashion. But it's it's basically just a very relaxing... It sounds like a classical album, but just with him playing mainly the lute on it. There's a few accompanying things, and you get the sort of prog rock feel to it in certain tracks. Uh, it's not just pure <laughs> guitar. But I, I've listened to it a few times this year and last year, and I just, I love it. I, I can I think I can appreciate it quite a lot because I'm very basic at finger-picking on an acoustic guitar with six strings. And the, what he can do with it is just fucking ridiculous. And how he writes music is like the levels of a classical composer, which you don't really get anymore. You don't get many sort of cla- no, classical-level musicians in normal music, aside I think from... We've, I think we've, we've barely mentioned him, but Tom York, I think, has a similar a similar like approach to music like he i think he approaches music in a very sort of classical way in terms of like yeah. there's a really really good interview it's a slight tangent but there's a really good interview with between Hans zimmer um tom york and oh fuck who's the bassist for radiohead i always forget his name it's not it's not like sigh is it no it's not it's not ed o'brien uh johnny greenwood sorry a guitarist yeah yeah, Johnny Greenwood, isn't it? Yeah, he's the—he's not the bassist, but he's what—he's just the other guy. He's quite. Okay. A, I think he's quite a classically tuned guy as well. Yeah, so I think so. Yeah, there's a really good interview with Hans Zimmer, uh, Tom York, and uh, Johnny Greenwood, and like the way they sort of are speaking about music and its composition is is just really interesting in terms of the way music is now produced. But yeah, it sounds like this this um, is done in a similar way. Yeah, absolutely. To have that kind of brain to be able to play guitar that well and to write music, which is so complex. Um, it, it's not It's not going to be for everyone, this album. Give it a go. It's probably an easy way into classical music because it's slightly more conformative um, of what we hear now. And I think just to appreciate what he's doing is mainly why I enjoy it so much and I find it so sort of relaxing and baffling at the same time. So, yeah, shout out to you, Jan Ackerman. You demand Ackerman. See? Yours is like a proper, not proper foreign, but as in, I've just sort of cheated and just gone for an, like an American, so, I, so I've half cheated. So right. I've gone for Moby Play, oh, which nice. is his album which came out in 1999. I don't know if you've listened to him much of it. I'm quite a big fan of that album. It's so fucking good, honestly. It's quite um, close to my top 10, I'll be honest. I just didn't mention yeah. it. I, I, I just adore this album. I remember I got it on CD like way back. 
Um, and then eventually, but obviously when I've sort of got a record player and stuff, um, I've just, I was like, this is one of the albums I just need to get because I just knew it would sound incredible. I haven't really got loads to say about this album, but I just, it's just so, it's so fucking good in just so many ways. Um, it's just like, again, a proper like encapsulation of its era. Like it's very, very 90s based. It's got so many very iconic tunes on like uh, Run On um, and Body Rock, which obviously has been sampled like loads of times with other more modern artists. Yeah. It's just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful record. And it's just, yeah, I, I, it's definitely cheating, but yeah. That's oh, my foreign record so. I've gone for Moby. So. Is that the one that has porcelain on it or am I just making that up? Uh, yes, I think it is. Yeah, I love, I really love that song, uh, like, a, like a huge amount. I think Moby gets a bit of stick sometimes as well. So, so much stick, it's unreal. I don't yeah, really know got... why, like I don't understand. I, I, do people sort of criticise him of being a bit boring? I don't know. So he's a, he's a vegan, isn't he? Um, oh, it was, it was one of the first vegans to get criticised he heavily. He literally is. And like, actually, on this record, he's um, he's written, in, instead of like a, I don't know, like a thank you bit, he's like written why he's, what his like principles are in life. Oh, okay. Um, and he's got like, there's sort of like a big bit on like why he's vegan and stuff. And like li- looking at it now, I was like, this wouldn't look out of place if like an Instagram influencer put this up now. Like it's so... Yeah what somebody would put now so yeah it's actually an album that i think somebody could release now and it would do really well um i think there's a lot of I agree. There's lots of like genuinely good songs on yeah like yeah run on uh body rock porcelain just said find my baby um honey is so good why does my um, heart feel so bad as well i like quite a lot it's yes, really iconic true. uh piano in that yeah it's a really really good record and it's it's wonderful to own on uh on vinyl as well so i feel quite lucky that i've got that as well so yeah that's my that's uh, my foreign one i've got a bit of vinyl envy you can pick them up on ebay for like you know 18 quid which is not yeah, bad i think i've only got like five or six songs from it on my uh fuck off i'm gonna do it again on my ipod oh, um, i didn't really had an ipod you <laughs> <laughs> i literally always do it and i forget that i've done it before but hey i do own one it's not as if i'm not making it up but just stop banging on about it which i'm still doing i haven't ever seen physical uh physical evidence it's sort of like a myth i think i played it once when you were around ours when we lived in the in the the cottage so you probably do (laughs) you you probably you've listened to it but you may not have seen it physically i've been exposed to it absolutely it's something personal (laughs) so something personal i have gone for an album called sheet music yeah, it's an album <laughs> by a band called 10CC, who unfortunately are well known for that song. I don't like cricket. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. That's their song. Yeah. I, yeah, I recognize them. They always play it at cricket matches, funnily enough. Right. Uh, and it's a bit of a shit song. Um, but anyway, the reason why it's personal to me is because it was the first album that I listened to on my record player. That's lovely. That's yeah. a really, really nice one. So, And my dad bought it for me, and it was, just feels very special to me, and I, I really That's enjoy really it. That's really nice. It's, it's an album called Sheet Music. I, I, I think I've heard of it. I, I haven't listened to it, but I've, I've heard of Sheet Music. It's quite well known. But... Um, they delved into a lot of different genres of music. They're a really interesting band. They, they remind me a little bit of Steely Dan, uh, yeah. but, but this album's very... Art, art pop, so yeah. Very sort of good, upbeat, happy music. It's interesting. A lot of styles are sort of delved into. And I love it. I love this album. I've got it in like a classic yellow uh, special edition as well. Oh, nice. And I really, really enjoy listening to it. It's, uh, it makes me feel very happy and a lot of nice memories attached to it. So, so you actually like have an affinity to the actual physical vinyl as well? It's, yeah, it's my number one, day one. 
<laughs> uh, day zero, yeah. Well, day zero, in fact, yeah, you're right. Oh, that's good. That's a, that's a really nice one. So, yeah, I mean, people have heard of 10CC before. Go listen to this album because it's. It, I think it gives a better image of what they were about as a band and how intricate <laughs> they could the be song. as opposed to the cricket song. And there's another one called uh, You're Not In Love or something like that, which they're also really well known for. <laughs> they did a sort of Phil Collins movement to like 80s <laughs> pop music and that was their ballad. So everyone did it, I think. Terrible. Dreadful. But hey, that's a good album. Good. Right. My personal record is not a personal record in terms of the physical record, unfortunately. But it is in terms of... So it's Los Campesinos, um, Hello Sadness. Okay. Which I think is their... Yeah, their fourth um, LP. And it came out in 2011. So it's it's the album that came out essentially in my first year of university. And I love Los Campesinos anyway. And they're, they're, they're the band that did um, the Budweiser song. What's it called? Uh, it's you me dancing which is which is how i found them but their their albums hold on now youngster um, we are beautiful we are doomed and then romance is boring were all beautiful beautiful albums um and there's they've got a lot of subjects they cover um you know they talk about uh, mental health quite a lot but they also talk about like more mundane stuff so one of the albums on this hello sadness sorry one of the songs on this hello sadness album is called every defeat a divorce three lines and it's about um you know the english fans relationship with the english national team oh um, okay yeah team. so they sort of cover a lot of different elements in their music. It's an album that I have a lot of affinity with purely because uh, Los Campesinos on this album tour was the first band that I went to see live at a gig. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they released this, I don't know, maybe in the September, um, and then they happened to be playing in Oxford um, during my first year. Okay. Uh, and and I went to saw them, and they, they, were so, they were so good live. There was so much like They've got a massively like, cult following, I think, yeah, um, you know, it was in the O2 Academy, but there must have been only fifty or so people there. But it was like an intense mosh pit of fifty people. Oh, nice! Right at yeah. the front, everyone's like loving, involved, loving yeah. life. Yeah, so it's it's a sort of an album that that brings back a lot of memories of that first like first year of uni, but also just the whole going to the gig and just being like loving the idea of live music, and then it just delivering on my like visions of what it would be like to go and see a band that i really love live oh amazing um, you know when you go and see like football live for the first time and you're just like oh my god that's that is ronaldo or that is steven Gerrard. Like, yeah absolutely that is a person that i've like looked at my screen and it was like that for this i i've heard this so many times through my headphones and i've like googled them and i know sort of what they look like they're on stage now and i'm a foot two foot away from them and they're yeah like, so yeah, so I just have a lot of emotional connection to this album in terms of live music. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's nice to have like such a massive part of your musical upbringing involved with a record as well. Yeah, completely. It is a really, it's a really good uh, album anyway. Yeah. There's By Your Hand, Songs About Your Girlfriend and Hello Sadness, um, which are the three sort of opening tracks, are just wonderful, wonderful records and just sort of encapsulate exactly what Los Campesinos are all about. I think the lead sort of vocalist uh, listens to a lot of like hip hop and rap and you sort of get a sense of that in terms of he does like quite a lot of like spoken word rather than necessarily just like singing over the music. So he, Oh, okay, nice. It's definitely sort of indie pop but they do it very well, I think. And, yeah. and with a bit of a, then they're quite multidimensional rather than just sort of doing boring stuff. So yeah, That's it's, it's a really nice record. I've heard so many times people talk about Los Campesinos but I've never properly listened to them so... I'll have to divulge a little bit at least at some stage. For sure. Nice. Done. Done. That done, was done, done. We've got a fucking mammoth recording time of two hours. Say, you, you've got some serious editing. It's going to take forever. Um, 
Right. Do you want to recommend me something? Do you want to do the challenge thing first or do you want to do the oh, recommends? Yeah, yes, go on. Yeah, we can do that as well. This is sort of inspired by um, something which I saw earlier on YouTube, which was an Aussie radio host challenging his mate to listen to the entirety of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard's discography within a day. Within a day? That's within insane. a day. It's like 10 hours as well. So I saw that and I thought, do you know what? I've been sat on my ass for a few weeks <laughs> and it'd be nice to have a little bit of a challenge just to just to keep it interesting. But I mean, this guy was, wasn't a fan of King Gizzard before and I think it's like people saying, if you don't want to smoke, smoke a whole pack of 20 in one go. <laughs> probably going to put you off forever but I think he actually ended up liking them so maybe not uh, so yeah do you want to go with yours or do you want me to do sure. mine I'm going to I'm going to quickly caveat mine by the fact that Matt did say that he he wanted a challenge because I did so I'm going to go with I don't know how much of David Bowie you've listened to but in a similar vein to the Australian I want you to listen to the entirety of David Bowie's uh, back catalogue Fuck albums me. only albums we're, we're, we'll remove eps but yeah albums i don't know how many albums there are I've no idea i'm gonna quickly um, look there's no time limit on it but obviously just before the next episode that we would do recording wise so if you'd never hear from us again then it's because matt is still listening to david bowie yeah i've just gone into a, a david bowie coma and i've not come out of it <laughs> oh, my, oh god, my god man this is actually going to be massive are you looking at it now there's <laughs> oh, there are ass. so many I'll tell you, I've listened to Low and uh, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and okay. The Spiders yeah, I, from I'm Mars. Not, I'm, not, I'm not expecting you to like give detailed reviews of all of them. I okay. just want you know highlights. All right. Yeah, there you go. So all the back catalogue. But I'm, only, I'm not talking about like remasters or like extended editions. It's just, you know, the original. Just the releases, LPs. the albums. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's cool. That, that's, a big, that's a biggie. You've given me quite a nice one. I was going to be the Beatles, but I thought that might be a bit one-dimensional. I thought David Bowie probably has done lots of weird and wonderful things. Yeah, his... and I'm, I'm quite an admirer of his. That's what I thought as well. Yeah. Okay, wicked. <laughs> I thought you were going to fuck me with like an Oasis thing, which would have been quite funny, but... No, that would have been me. My God. I wanted you to enjoy it. I didn't want you to, have to listen to like... <laughs> okay, well, in this case... I think the one that I've done isn't massively nice, but it's also not its not like a, a gargantuan effort. I'm going to give you more context about a week before we record the next episode because you could probably... It would be very easy for you if you had loads of time. But all I'm going to do is I'll give you a song by someone like Cher Lloyd, probably Cher Lloyd, and a song <laughs> by someone like Justin Bieber, probably Justin Bieber. And all you have to do is just try and learn the lyrics as good as you can because I'll quiz you on them at the start of the next episode. Right, okay. It's a bit of a shit one, but I thought it might so be interesting. Are you going to give me a specific Cher Lloyd song to learn? Absolutely. Basically. That's why it needs time. As in, I'll, okay. I'll give you like a week's notice just because, I mean, cool. yeah, you could just look at it forever and then just memorize it visually. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, that's, 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 that could be quite good. It would be like a quiz-based. Like I'll be like, fill in the blank. Quite okay, I think for yours, just give me the highlights okay. of like David Bowie. Essentially, which ones I should go and listen to. That's good. I'm basically being like, I can't be bothered. You Can you quickly do a quick scan? That's cool. Tell me which ones I should, should, everyone should be listening to. I'm literally being used and I love it. <laughs> I'm, happy, I'm happy to be used. <laughs> disturbing it's useful for me though as well so it's sort of like a double yeah yeah double positive. it's useful for everyone everyone wants to listen to david barry it's just he's got too much to go on so where should we start okay i'm with you on that right so, record men swiftly on yeah uh record men's jeez man i feel like you have something in mind more so than i do well i was going to record mend you 
play by Moby, just in case you hadn't listened to it. So therefore, you uh, do you have a choice? Well, I feel you want to listen to Floating Points. I made it apparent. I'll give you that. Okay. Floating Points Crush, uh, which came out last year. Nice, I like that. Go, Thank go, you. Go, go and listen to it. Give, give me your thoughts. Floating Points Crush. When I, um, when I put that up on my Instagram, I had a lot of feedback from people I didn't really know liked. Or I knew they liked music, but I didn't realize they liked that genre of music. Like I had like three or four people like messaging me be like, that is a cracking album. Oh, okay. Just people I was like, oh, I didn't know that that was up your street. I think what I'm going to do, this is based on the time. I'm going with tone it down a little bit from System of a Down, just sort of <laughs> ease you back into everyday life and help you recover from that intense period. Um, <laughs> so. That sounds nice. There's an artist called Nicholas Yar. You've probably heard of him. I think I have. Nicholas, Nicholas... J-A-A-R, Yar, I think it's pronounced. And there's an album which I've come to a long time ago. Um, you know Foles Tapes, the album they yes. released of their inspirations? Uh-huh. He appears on there. Okay. And it's a song from this album uh, called Variations. But this album is a fucking winner and there's a lot of good tracks on there. He's sort of... A bit like John Hopkins, I think he uses a lot of uh, natural sounds. And I think that you'd get along with it. It's very chilled. It's not too intense. Yeah, electronic he's quite a good piano player as well. And yeah, I just hope that you enjoy it because it's a very chilled out, relaxing, calming album. And it's also pretty cool. Great. I'm looking forward to that. 2011. Yeah, man. Nice. Well, it's cool. It's it's appeared on on a band that we both like as well. Yeah, I thought that was just a nice little thing to add because that's how I got introduced to it. So thanks, Foles. Thanks, Yanis and co. Thanks, the gang. Right. right. Episode done. All, all over the... Red Rover. Is that a thing? Uh, I think so. All over Red Rover. Sounds sounds proper. I feel like you could say anything all that over. rhymes and it sounds like yes. uh, Cockney. Rhymes yeah, all over Red Rover. When your opponent puts their second ball through Rover Hoop, they only have one to peg out and hence it's all over Red Rover. Oh, croquet. <laughs> that has to be croquet. Correct. It yeah. is croquet. Trivia, you can tell I've been doing like three quizzes a week. (laughs) Here's one to end on, actually, because you're a cricket fan. So this is a a question I put in a quiz the other day. What wood is a traditional cricket bat made out of? Willow. Fucking nailed it, mate. Well done. Ooh, yeah, come (laughs) at me, bitch. There you go, that's done, sorted. Done diddly. Au revoir. Excellent. Uh, Au revoir. Keep bopping. What's the other one that we said? Don't keep bopping. No, uh, we're orcs out and we don't have a tagline. This is the bit of the cast where we finish. Inevitably, it was going to diminish. Chatting about now for an hour roundabout. If you don't know the name right now, it's orcs out.